Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Props to Crazy with Steph and Michelle. Two friends, two diagnoses, and more crazy than they know what to do with. So sit back and enjoy, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Hi, friend. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. This is Michelle. And Stephanie. And we're back with Props to Crazy. Yes. Are you excited to get started? I'm excited for this episode to be done because this is <laughs> part two of our moms. So, right. yeah, I'm excited to get some stuff off my chest. <laughs> Me I'm terrible. Too. No, I'm so not. bad. You're just crazy. I am <laughs> crazy. That's okay. Join uh, the club. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into this portion of the episode. Yes. <laughs> this is. Dis- what? Go ahead. Oh, I was <laughs> just going to say a disclaimer once again. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Give it away, Steph. Tell us our disclaimer. So this episode is part two of moms, our mothers. And our disclaimer is we love our mothers. Uh We do. And this isn't a bashing session. And this isn't like a we want to shed them in a negative way or make you think poorly of our moms, anything like that. It's merely just... What we're doing here is we're explaining experiences that we had and the way that we were spoken to or um, different ways that we were raised, the way that it stuck with us and the emotions and the thoughts that is created within us, whether it's about life or ourselves or the people around us is a direct relation to these experiences. Um, Right. And it's how it shaped us. Yeah. And so it's showing the difference between it's not just like oh, I had all these really sad things happen when I was a kid and I turned out this way. It's kind of, it's showing the difference between because of our imbalances and the chemical mishaps, whatever you want to call it in our brains. Like it affected us in a certain way that was very different from our siblings or very different from any other person in the world who may have had the same parents and same experiences. Like it just triggered us in a different way. Does that right. cover it? that sound right yeah yeah I love it okay good Uh, I think the first thing we wanted to get into today is more about like what okay we were just talking about sugarcoating things in the last we listened to it and we realized there were some places especially myself that I felt like I was sugarcoating things. And I, I feel that it's important for me to be transparent in order to relay things properly and for people to really understand my story. So I think that it's important for us to go into detail a little bit further Mm -hmm. of our stories going to get and a little so bit. there's go ahead sorry I keep talking over you I don't mean to no, do you're that great. <laughs> oh. 
I was just going to say that it's going to get uncomfortable and we're trying Mm -hmm. to be okay with that because why can't we be honest about it? Why can't we say, Mm -hmm. this is how I feel. Even if it's a dark and negative feeling, we should still be allowed to say that. And it doesn't matter if it's in relation to someone we know or someone we don't know. Right. It shouldn't deter us from expressing how we really feel. That's the real problem with mental disorders and people wanting to talk about it and express their emotions. So many times we're afraid of who we're going to hurt that we set aside our own hurts and that's not okay. That's not okay. So today it's going to be different and we're going to be brave. Today we're brave. I love it. So the first thing that I wanted to be a little bit more transparent on was a story that I talked about where I was struggling with my kids and I was parenting the same way I was parented. I was struggling. I was searching. I was trying to do things right, but feeling like I was doing, doing things wrong. And so I asked my mom, if you could have parented me differently, what would you have done? And her first response was, I would have beat you to death. Mm. And that broke my heart because I get that I was a hard child, Mm -hmm. but is that really your best answer? And then she said, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. And I said, okay, well, if you're, if you could have been parented differently by your mother, what, what would it have been like? What would it have looked like? How could she have done different or better? Mm-hmm. And she said, I would have preferred, I wanted her to treat me nicely and to uh, not yell at me all the time. And, and it's interesting because in that moment, she even sugarcoated it and, and was like, this isn't to bash my mom because mm. dot, dot, dot. And, and I get it. Like we love our moms and we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And there's no doubt in my mind that I've done and said things that are detrimental and very deep cutting to my own children. So I'm, I'm not blaming her. This was just, for me, devastating. And it sent me into a spiral hearing my mother say that mm-hmm. parent me better would to be having me not be here. Right. That's a harsh blow for sure. It's true. Um, and that kind of leads into my adulthood with my parents. I moved out of my house two days after I graduated high school. I couldn't handle it anymore because it was just, I mean, my mom meant, you know, she meant well and wanted the best for me, but they were so strict and they were so hardcore into the religion that it really just pushed me away. And so I left the house and I left the religion for a while. And then I got back into it 
and my mom was so happy and you know it was this it was almost looking back on it it was this proving thing where I wanted to prove to my parents that I could do it right and be Mm. their good kid and do all the things I remember when I was in our program as a teen, one of the requirements to get this special recognition was to do a service project. And I completed the service project, did it all, did all the hours and everything, and I was ready to go. And my mom said to me, you know, in order to get this, you still have to be worthy. And I wasn't doing things in my life that made me worthy. And so I never went and got this recognition because I didn't ever feel worthy. Mm. And so there's this proving part of me where I feel like I've had to do things right. And it got to a point where it wore on me and I just couldn't do it anymore. And part of it, well, a lot of it happened in the, in the end of my marriage. I was questioning everything. My marriage was falling apart, whatever, whatever. And ever since the church, my parents just haven't been the same. Um, it's been a ride, in fact. Uh, they, well, <clears throat> sorry, this is a whole story. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? I'll start with the first day one. <clears throat> day one. Uh, I was messed up from the day I was born. No, <laughs> we already. Oh, knew we're past that. that. Okay, okay, <laughs> going on. Oh, so my parents went on a mission for their church, and while they were there, they called child protective services on me because they, um had just had this strong feeling that something was wrong in my home. And when it all went down, I accused other people before I accused my own parents. And when I found out that it was my parents, I was devastated because I was not, you know, abusing my children. And at the time they didn't even tell me that they told me that they weren't allowed to discuss it according to the people because, then it could be incriminating against the case or whatever. Mm. So they weren't even allowed to talk to me about it. So finally we talked about it and they were like, it was because we thought that your electricity bill wasn't paid and maybe you didn't have heat or, you know, if you hadn't gotten water paid, blah, 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 no food in the house, yada, yada. And I was like, that seems weird because I have siblings that live like 45 minutes away. Why couldn't you have called one of them to come and like give me some food or help pay a bill if you really thought that I was that in desperation or call my bishop Mm -hmm. like CPS? 
I just didn't get it. So finally, they later on admitted that they thought I was abusing my children. And I, it took me a while to talk to them again. And it definitely took me a long time to forgive them. I am at a point in my life where I have forgiven them. I truly, honestly believe that we, I as a mother, have made choices that weren't the best for my kids, but I thought they were. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what happened with my parents. They made a choice that they thought was best for their child, and it was the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just something that I've done, you know, doing the work, whatever it is, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't scarred me and that it hasn't really our relationship. And, you know, they've promised that they'll never call CPS on me again, but I don't, I don't trust people anymore. Yeah. Gotten to a point where. Actions speak louder than words. And so if it happened once, it could happen again. Right. I, I just don't doubt that. So that's been a really difficult thing for me. I've always tried to keep my kids in my parents' life because I don't feel like they should suffer mm-hmm. just because my relationship with them isn't the best. Right. At the end of the day, they're it's, still family and they're still their, their grandparents. grandparents. I get that. Right. Right. But it's still been kind of a struggle to have them be around my parents because my parents are so judgmental. It's really, yeah, it's difficult. And I so. just can't even imagine personally. Yeah. <laughs> we handle things very differently, Michelle and I. <laughs> Yes, we do. (laughs) We had, uh, so if you listened to our part one episode, which if you haven't, you need to go back and listen to that one first because it leads up to everything we're talking about now. I was telling Michelle how I was listening to it and I was like, man, I did so much talking. You know, it's obvious that I have (laughs) way more issues (laughs) than Michelle does. (laughs) Like, no wonder I'm a little bit more crazy. I have the bipolar and the borderline personality disorder. (laughs) You know, but, um, I don't know. I've, I've really struggled with my mom and I'm not even sure how to pick up here from where I left off on the last episode. I talked about my teenage years. What I will say is I think now people have a better understanding of why in our first episode, I talked about how I moved in with Michelle the summer between my junior and senior year. And it was just because everything was coming to a head my Mm-mm. fighting with my mom and because I had said before, like I was a really good kid and it's true. I was, I had my issues because of my depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. But my mom pushed me to a point where I felt like I couldn't be myself. Like I was just wrong. Like me as a person, I, ha- I was wrong. And I have to say, Steph really was a good kid. Like I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I pushed boundaries all the time and I wanted to know why. And Mm -hmm. I was always right, no matter if I was wrong or right. And like, (laughs) Steph was just so good. She was like, 
she would be like, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to clean my room so that we can hang out. So that I don't like, get grounded. <laughs> right? But you were such a good kid to, like, go and make sure that it was all perfect. And me, I was, like, sassing my parents. And I was mm. like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did. I tried so hard. But the way my mom was parenting me and how I felt so different from the rest of my family, I just started to feel like something was wrong with me. And it pushed me to a point where I gave up. Mm-hmm. I really did. Like my senior year, I was skipping school all the time. I had never done that <laughs> once in my life. Like I was terrified to do it the first time. I thought for sure the cops were going to come find me and I was going to be thrown in jail. And, you know, <laughs> it was that catastrophizing thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was lying to my mom all the time because I was just done. I didn't have anything in me anymore. I was like, if you're going to treat me a certain way, then why should I even try anymore? And so in my senior year, I just, you know, I started, I lost my virginity and I started drinking and Mm. was just hanging out with people who weren't the best influence for me, but I was just doing stuff because they were doing stuff. And because I was in a group where I was accepted because my Mm -hmm. mom was not there. So Mm -hmm. I was just putting myself in with people and doing things because my mom wasn't there to stop me. She wasn't there to say no. So everything I was taught when I was growing up and everything that I had learned basically went out the window. Right. So I became kind of the black sheep of the family, not kind of like really (laughs) Um, all of my siblings had gone on missions. They got married in the temple, like just really good people. And then there was me. And after I graduated, I, I did the same thing. Like I got my first job, and as soon as I got my first paycheck, I moved out. I was gone. Mm. And I remember my mom was like, why don't you just stay home for a little while and save up some money and put some put some money aside? And, and I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? Nope. I've been wanting to get out of this house for how many years? You've wanted me out of the house for so many years. You really think I want to stay here any longer? No, it's not for me. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't do it. Um it had already been very obvious that I couldn't open up to my mom. And because I'd been taught that for so long that by the time I got to be an adult, things got better when I moved out as far as our relationship, because I wasn't under the same roof, but I still in my head was indoctrinated that we could not have conversations because she was not going to accept it. And I would still get in trouble. I still reverted back to being a little kid that was like, if I tell her this, she's going to ground me, even though I'm not in the house, she has no control over that. But mentally, I've been stuck there for a long time, you know? Yes. (sighs) I've gotten to a point now where I have told my parents everything I've ever done in my life. And I have told them that I don't intend on going back to church. And I've told them... You know, I've been so honest with them about everything. Well, most everything. <laughs> <laughs> I There's just certain things that I can't tell them. But um, I, I feel like I we've worked so hard at our relationship. But I, I don't – I don't know. I don't feel – hatred towards them, I guess. But they've also done a lot of work too. 
They have been doing like our church's version of the AA 12 steps. They've been teaching that to the prisoners in the, or whatever at the jail in their local town. Mm -hmm. And so it's been interesting because my parents have to do the 12 steps as well as they're teaching them. And so it's really changed them. It really has. They are a lot more loving and understanding, even though there's still a little bit of a gap. I feel less judged by them, (laughs) but I think Mm. it's probably because they're like, well, it could be worse. She could be sitting in jail and we can have her kids. <laughs> That's true. Count your blessings. It's we're just glad that she's you know, not that like, far gone. Yeah, I'm serious. Like my mom's told me some stories of why these girls are in there and they're repeat offenders, you know? Dang. They keep going back and they have kids at home. And I just, I'm like, yes, exactly. Like I'm not abusing my kids and I am a successful adult and I am doing my best in my life, even if I'm not living up to your standards. Right. And that's the hardest point is coming to that. And that's one thing I'm sad that you and your mom have never been able to really or dad do a a ton of reconciling in that sense but or any any right I mean you're you you've done a little reconciling with your dad and but your mom's too far gone and like you were saying even before then she was gone and not willing to even discuss it Mm -hmm. so she was just so far out there and I am definitely grateful that I have this opportunity to still build and grow with this relationship with my parents. But this kind of explains why I go a little bit crazy when I'm talking to them because there's little comments that they make all the time that are jabs Mm -hmm. to me and they don't even realize it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult. So I, I so it's it's interesting because for a long time, I'm sure I've told you this before because I tell you everything. But <laughs> you know, one of the main characteristics, or uh, what do they call it? Some like when something traumatic happens, or whatever brings about borderline personality disorder, something we all have in common mm. is trauma. And fear of abandonment. Mm. For a long time, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. All I did was move. But when I put the pieces together and I was the only one that moved with my parents, so I was automatically then just alone. And the type of relationship that my mom and I had formed at that point or lack of, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, it it makes sense that I felt abandoned. Like all my siblings had, had moved out and they'd gotten married. They had their own kids. And I kind of felt like... They'd moved out and forgotten about me in a Mm -hmm. sense. And I just wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like everybody else. And then it was so obvious that my mom was treating me entirely different Mm. from every other sibling in such big ways. 
And then there was a lot of sides that I saw to my mom that my siblings didn't see because starting in high school, she would talk about dying mm. all the time as far as like, like, and she's not depressed. She's not suicidal, nothing like that, but she's just like very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. That's what I talk about with, with no emotion. Like for her, it's just a fact of life. Oh yeah, we're all going to die someday, whatever. That's just part of it. But starting in high school, she would talk all the time. She's like, oh, I can't wait to just be on the other side. I can't wait to just be dead. You don't have finances mm. and bills to worry about. You're not sick anymore. And she would just talk about it all the time. And I'm like 17. I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't want to sit here and, and listen to my mom yeah. talk about dying. Like, you know, there was just lots of like weird things. And then with her not driving anymore when I was in high school and she wouldn't ever go to the doctor. She's always had this fear of doctors. I mean, she gave up. She gave up a long time ago and my siblings didn't go through that when they were at home and when they were growing up she was still a mom and so I always wondered what what did I do that was wrong why am I so different and it's not that I did anything but I was raised very different and my brain chemical is just very different so things affect me in a way that would not affect them had we switched places right right Mm -hmm. so going into that I there's a couple of things that happened with my mom that are, I don't want to say unforgivable. I wish there was a way to reconcile, but I can't because a lot of it has to do with her Alzheimer's because she has early onset Alzheimer's now. So there's a lot of stuff she doesn't remember. And like the way she acts now is a direct result of that and not so much who Mm. she is as a person. Like she herself is pretty much gone. You know, she's just a shell. But to show you how much I can't turn to my mom or like how much I am lacking in that mother daughter nurturing relationship. Um, so like I said, after I moved out of high school and I, I started drinking, I started smoking and I was sleeping around with boyfriends and I actually, I ended up getting pregnant when I was 19. And this of course was a huge shock to my whole family. Nobody knew I had anything going on. Obviously I didn't come home and tell stories or like, you know, I just, I had, I was leading my own life and being the black Mm -hmm. sheep of the family and, you know, whatever, and doing things because my mom wasn't there. And so I wound up getting pregnant. And this is the only time that my mom was like loving towards me. Um, I remember telling my parents, I went into their room and I just immediately broke down, started crying. And they're like, what is wrong? And I told them, I was like, I'm pregnant. And my mom got off the bed and she came around the, across the room and I seriously thought she was going to hit me <gasps> because that's the kind of person she is. Like mm. she's hit me before for lesser things. Mm-hmm. And she just gives me like a big old hug and she just held mm. me and it gave me chills. Like I literally felt like a little kid that had fallen off my bike and my mom just scooped me up and was like telling me I was going to be okay. Wow. So that was the first time and only time that I remember her being like that. But at the same time, I ended up giving my son up for adoption, but it was never final. I never made the final decision up until just a few weeks before he was born. I was very torn on what I was going to do, if I was going to keep him or, or have him adopted. And I had moved back in with my mom after I was released from the hospital, after I had him. And I took him home from the hospital with me. I had him for a full week before I did the adoption because... I couldn't go nine months <laughs> with this little boy growing in my belly 
and then not get to kiss him, not get to hold him, not get to let him know that he was loved by me before giving him to another family. So I had him for a week and I moved back in with my mom because I was living with roommates. And so she went with me when I went to the adoption agency and what they do for those who don't know about the adoption process, you do the physical placement of the baby and then you do the legal adoption paperwork side. So the physical placement of the baby is I take my child, we meet at the adoption center, I physically give them my baby and I walk out without a baby. So my mom is with me and she's in the car and I parked the car and Spencer's in the back seat in his car seat. And I just sit there for a minute and just let out this big sigh. And she's like, well, come on, let's go. Let's get in there. Let's get it over with. That's literally what she said. That was her attitude. And I was pissed. I looked at her and I was like, do you realize what I'm doing right now? You realize that I'm taking my baby in there and I never get to have him again. Can I not have a few minutes to hesitate? She's like, oh, oh, okay. Like she totally didn't get it. And I'm Uh, so mad. I'm like, you're the person that's supporting me in this right now. You're my support person. I was pissed. Wow. I was like, why? Why? Why does it have to be this way? (sighs) Right. And a couple years after that, I was having a heart to heart with my mom. I was trying to anyway. And like, I was just opening up to her about a lot of things, just things had built up and I was sitting down having a talk with her and, you know, I was telling her all this stuff and we were crying. I was emotional. And I was just like, you know, mom, I don't blame you. I made the choices that I made. Like I take responsibility because when it comes down to it, I was the one that decided I was going to have a drink or I was the one that was decided I was going to work here. You know, I was like, but a lot of the reasons I did the things I did were a direct cause of how you treated me. And the way you Mm -hmm. raised me and how strict you were with me. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, I'm sorry, Steffi, but I just don't remember all this stuff. She just Mm -hmm. does not remember how our relationship was when we were in high school or when I was in high school and living at home with her and my stepdad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just like, well, isn't that convenient for you? (laughs) I mean, I didn't say that, but I thought that. And, but I had to get my piece out and I put that Mm -hmm. out there. And still to this day, I cry and I'm like, why do I have these parents? Why? Yeah. It's so hard for me. See, even still as an adult, I think of these things and I'm still just like broken, you know? Yeah. I, I agree. And I've felt so similar about my parents as well. Um, You know, and you talk about kind of how they treat, treat it, treat your siblings different, you know, than how mm-hmm. they treated you. And a lot of that had to do with growing up. And there's been a lot of it in the adult life. You talk about your mom favoring one son over others and having a mm-hmm. dislike for a certain son. And, uh, <laughs> I definitely feel that from my family as well. I know that my mom visits certain siblings way more often than she visits other certain siblings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I have 
wanted so badly to have her come and visit me, but she just continues to make excuses as to why it's not convenient Mm. for her to come and see me. And then I get pressured or, you know, not kind of guilt tripped, but not really, but sort of into coming to family functions. And it's really hard to want to go to family functions, especially when no one ever comes to see me. Right. Are you still holding your mic, by the way? Yeah, am I making funny noises? There's been a lot of, like, paper or clicking or, like, a rubber thing. A lot. I've been (laughs) touching it back and forth. Sorry. (laughs) We'll we'll delete that part out. But Okay. Anyway. Yeah, it's that feeling of being an inconvenience. Your emotions are an inconvenience and your feelings are an inconvenience. Uh That's hard. Why can't I just not worry about it and be like, it's cool. They don't want to see me again. Yeah. It's like, why can't I feel like everybody else? Why can't it just like water running off a duck's back? You know, she, Mm. especially now in her, in her years with her Alzheimer's and where she's at, she talks to me the same as she talks with everybody else. Because like I said, she's just mentally checked out, but it still triggers me in a way that it does not trigger my siblings. And I was just having Mm. a conversation with my brothers, especially recently Lord, give me strength. I have to take her to a doctor's appointment tomorrow. (laughs) And she hates doctors. She has a fear of them. And we were fighting her on, on trying to get her in. And I was asking my brothers, I'm like, how can you handle letting her talk to you like that? Like, how does it not just make your blood boil and get you upset? And my brother was like, well, I don't really like it. He's like, but obviously, yeah doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. I'm like, I feel guilty. I feel like such a horrible person, but 10 minutes with my mm-hmm. mom and I am beyond triggered. Mm-hmm. I I want to punch things and I'm crying and I'm just, <laughs> ugh, I'm just reverting back to this little kid of like, I just feel like a tantrum coming on like, and screaming like, this is not fair. This is not the mom that I was thought I was going to get when I grew up. You know, we talk about before we were talking about how she parented our siblings as kids versus as when we were kids. Well, mm-hmm. the way she's parented them as adults and like her grandkids, like their children, the side that I saw to her, she was a very good grandma. Um, mm. She always had activities with the kids. Like I remember when my sister would come home and visit with the kids, my mom had a grandma box and it was this big uh, plastic tote tub that had mm. all these different crafts to do. And my mom used to sew with the kids. She was really good at sewing. And so she would, like with the girls, they could sew aprons or they could sew little bags or pillowcases and mm-hmm. different things like that. And she did a lot of cooking and she was really good at making holiday candies and treats like around Christmas time and stuff. Mm. And so she would do that with the grandkids. And so for me, I was like, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait until... I have my, my children and they get to do these things. Oh, sorry. Right. I can't wait until they get to do these things with her. And they don't. And it's not her fault and it's nobody's fault. But there is a sense of loss in me again where I'm like, why is it so different for me than it is for my siblings? Yeah. And 
anyway, just breaks my heart. I'm like, you guys got her at her best. (laughs) And (laughs) you don't like internalize her from when she's at her worst. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that, yeah, absolutely makes sense as to why you would feel so different from <laughs> it's them. like a totally different situation now now it's like the alzheimer's and like my daughter is seven and you know she doesn't do crafts she doesn't do anything with grandma it's just we go to grandma's house and she has to play quietly in the other room because my mom doesn't like loud noises you know yeah it's totally different but now it's like i get it it's not like a choice she's making so it's a different situation but similar feelings similar yeah. feelings come up when does it end like, I I don't know. How old do we have to be? <laughs> exactly. Because it, just because she, um, you know, if eventually when our parents pass, just because that happens, that doesn't stop your struggle and frustration and your, um, I mean, yes, you're not going to be triggered because you're not going to have to take her to the doctor, whatever, you know, right. but we're going to do a dad episode, I'm sure at some point, but if you haven't heard, Steph's dad recently passed away and it's not gotten easier for her. Right. She's not been like, oh, finally. Like, <laughs> yeah. And easier in a sense of like you know, people heal with time, like sorrow from passing, like there's that side of it, but we're talking about, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad either. And so it's been interesting dealing with him as when he died and the Mm. feelings that stay and still having those memories. So like, that's what Michelle is getting at. Like, even when they die, there's still that longing for that longing and that void and that I don't know. Lack of closure. Is closure even a good word? Closure is not a good word. Lack of understanding. That's what it is. Yeah. Not being able to reconcile. And that's honestly where I'm at with my parents too. I don't feel like there's ever a way to reconcile fully, completely. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've said this before and it may seem heartless, but to me, I feel like it's smart. (laughs) But I don't really want to reconcile, quote unquote, with my parents. I would rather just wait till they die Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I believe that all will be made known to them. Mm -hmm. That's my belief system. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I figure, you know, after they die, then they'll just figure it out. As to why I am the way I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then when I die, I'll figure out why they were the way they were Mm -hmm. and everything will be fine. (laughs) It's true. And that's really uh, part of it too is that, I mean, I don't want to make my mom cry. And I feel like if we were to reconcile and if we were to talk about these things, it would just make her cry. Mm. I just don't want to do that to her. Yeah. (laughs) See, it makes me cry when I talk to my mom. (laughs) Mm. Like, even if she were to remember, like, memories we've talked about in the past, I would be the one crying still. Mm. Because I'm just just so – 
emotional. It's funny because Michelle and I, maybe we said this in another recording. Sorry, not sorry. But we talk mm-hmm. all the time and she's like, well, maybe if my mom was more like your mom and not so emotional, it would be different. It would be better. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I, I think the same thing. I was like, maybe if my mom was more emotional like your mom, it would be better too. And then I'm like, no, because that's too much emotion. Oh, my God. So I don't know. Who's to say the grass is greener on the other side? Because we come right. from both ends and we're right. both messed up. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that answers that. Oh, it's so true. I feel that way so much about not only you, but I have some other people in my life that I'm just like, it really truly has nothing to do with where you grow up. I, like how, who, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've experienced completely different things, yet our emotions and our responses are the same. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where all of, what all of this leads to is how it sends us into whatever spiral into our chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. you know, bipolar, borderline personality disorder. Right. And for everyone, it it expresses differently. Some people cry. Some people rage. Some people uh, walk away from the relationship mm-hmm. because it's toxic. Or some people always end up in toxic relationships. Yes. Because they right. don't know how to be alone. They're so codependent. I mean. Mm-hmm. Or enablers. Enabler. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people, you know, they use drugs or alcohol to medicate and to avoid, avoid, Mm -hmm. absolutely, to forget, to not think about it. Mm -hmm. Another thing I want to add too, so obviously none of us can look back, none of our parents can look back and be like, well, I didn't know you were borderline. I didn't know you were bipolar. I didn't know you would take it that way if I said it that way. You know what I mean? Like you can't Mm -hmm. go back and change the reaction. You can't go back and change what they said. But what we can do now, what Michelle and I are trying to do is make people aware. And so especially with us as parents and as moms, we try to parent differently than our parents did. And we do have, I guess, the advantage of where we have the disorders and we are so sensitive. We are so emotional and what it was like for us growing up, um, we can turn around and have that understanding with our kids and we'll say things differently. We yes. are careful with our words. And so that's why we need to talk about mental health, about emotions, about feelings. Um, nobody talks to somebody as if they're borderline. Nobody talks mm-hmm. to somebody as if they're autistic. Nobody talks to somebody as if they're blind. Do you know what I mean? We right. just talk. We just communicate. We just live life. But... Mm-hmm. If we know what certain triggers are or if we can see certain characteristics, then we know how to change the relationships for the good. And it doesn't need to take 50 years. My daughter, Mm -hmm. I don't want it to take her 32 years to understand that she has value and she has worth Mm. and she can still have a different opinion than me or anybody else around her. And because her opinion is different, doesn't mean she's wrong and it doesn't mean she's stupid. It's because she's a person. Yeah. It took me 30 years to feel that way, to feel like I deserved to live. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way. And so 
That's what we're doing. That's what we're trying. That's what I'm trying to do. That's my mission I love statement. It. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're killing it, man. You're oh. getting it. You're rocking do, it. <laughs> do you know how good it felt to get this off my chest, Michelle? <laughs> oh my gosh. And we're healed. That's right. <laughs> ah. Well, thanks to our audience, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is no some kidding. really good therapy. I like it. Thanks for listening. And hopefully people are relating to us in some way or another that you can resonate with these stories. Like I was saying, they may, they're they not going to be the exact same stories, but it's going to be the same feeling, the same, you know, they cut me down kind of a whatever feeling mm-hmm. that hopefully people can understand why I cut myself down so much, why I beat myself up so much. Mm-hmm. I, I was taught that. Yep. And you start to believe it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it took me at least 30 years as well to believe that I was worth anything. Yeah. Oh, it's been a journey. Oh my goodness. Glad we're here. I know. Started from the bottom, now we're here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We should probably go to bed now. True that. I should go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Love you. Love you too. Happy trails. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Okay, bye. We will see you next time, or talk to you, or you can listen to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Props to Crazy. If you have any questions or comments, or you want a specific topic discussed, please send an email to props to Michelle at gmail.com or props to Steph at gmail.com. That's two like the number. Please like and share this episode to help us stop the stigma and start the conversation.